Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'll be joined on the line later today by the incomparable Tony Gentilcourt. Now, before we get into this week's show, I want to give you a little recap of the week that was. We had an absolutely awesome weekend. The kiddos, two of their best friends, both had birthdays this weekend, so they had parties. We did our Team Robertson pizza night. We do pizza night every weekend, and you can laugh. Maybe you think that's silly, but you know it's something that we enjoy doing as a family. It's kind of one of our routines. So we actually did pizza movie night on Saturday, and instead of staying at the house, Saturday night was at the movie theater for Toy Story 4. So huge fan of those movies. They're incredibly well done, just highly entertaining, even as an adult. So did that, and then you know took a little splurge for myself. We love to cook. We love eating <laughs> as a family. My wife being a dietitian, we love to eat really healthy, good foods other than pizza. And something that we splurged on for ourselves, we bought a new grill. So this thing is it's called a Kamado Joe. If you know anything about grilling, it's like the Cadillac Escalade of grills. I just have zero clue what to do with it up to this point. So I've got an instructional booklet by my bed. I'm reading through that as we speak. And hopefully, if you follow me on the gram in the coming weeks, you're going to see some really fire grilling coming from Team Robertson. So awesome weekend. The trenches going really well. We actually bumped it up for the foreseeable futures. I've been I've been going in there about three days a week, but a lot of the guys are wanting to get more work, and a lot of guys are getting ready either for summer league here in a few short weeks or getting ready for their season, and they're really cranking up their off-season training. So we moved up to four days a week. I never thought I would go back to kind of a split upper-lower routine, but man, I'm kind of liking it. We're only a few days in, but I really like it, and what I really like is the fact that I get an extra movement day with these guys because I think that's where we can really see some serious performance improvements is just teaching these guys to move more efficiently, more economically, to be faster, to be quicker, because we all know that's a huge differentiator at every level of every sport. So the trenches going awesome. Got some new content this week. Articles are a little slow. I apologize. The articles are slow, but it's only because every free moment of my life right now is going towards this certification. I'll talk more about that in a minute, but I did have that three-piece commitment that I've been writing for bodybuilding.com. So if you haven't checked those out, go check out all of those, the science of recovery. I think there's some fun stuff in there. There's some definitely some things that are going to make you think a little bit about recovery, whether it's being active in your recovery process, whether it's having a new outlook on the post-workout or quote-unquote anabolic window. So I got some cool stuff there. If you haven't checked them out, I'll try and link them up in the show notes for you. New video about how to build your glutes with the offset split squat. I think one mistake a lot of people make when they're training glutes is they limit their training to the sagittal plane. And if you look at the anatomy and you look at how big of a kind of transverse orientation the glutes have, you're really selling yourself short if you're not driving some rotation, either up top or down low, and teaching your body and your glutes to work in a triplanar fashion. So if you haven't checked that out, again, link in the show notes. And last but not least, this has been another really great month for the podcast. I love seeing the numbers go up and up. So thank you so much for your support. I appreciate that. And I'm telling you, I've got like murderer's row coming up here. Listen to some of the guests that I have coming up in the coming weeks. I have the Dr. Stuart McGill coming back on the show, Lauren Landau, 
head strength coach of the NFL's Denver Broncos. I got Ramsey Najim from the Sacramento Kings. Hopefully I didn't butcher his last name, but Ramsey's coming on. Rachel Balkovec, the first woman to work as a strength coach in, in the medical side, I believe, Major League Baseball, and the one and only Eric Cressy coming back on the show. So got this amazing lineup of people coming on the show. Very excited about that. And then the big feather in the cap. I am recording all of the videos for the complete coach certification this weekend. So literally, as soon as I'm done with this, as soon as I get the kids in bed, I'm going to go back in. I'm looking at the PowerPoints. I rehearsed for like an hour and a half in the car. I did some more rehearsing in front of the interns today, just trying to really dial all these points in, make sure I cover as much ground as I can. So I've talked about it before. I want to positively impact. I want 10,000 trainers and coaches to go through this certification from when I launch it to whenever we close the doors. And I have no no idea when that's going to be. And I know it's a monumental goal, but I think this is a really powerful project and it's something that is going to greatly impact and, and really hopefully level up our industry as a whole. So super excited to get these videos shot so that I can then start working on all the other aspects of the project because the videos are the big piece, but there's a lot more to it that I got to work on behind the scenes. So that is what is going on. But before I get into this show with Tony, I want to talk to you about an idea that I've thought a lot about here lately. And that idea is this concept of constantly rebuilding your foundation. So if you go back in time, if you go back to like 2006, 2007, Eric Cressy and I were writing a ton of articles for T Nation. We were known as anatomy geeks and mobility guys and functional trainers like they had all kinds of names for us but basically eric and i were just taking our knowledge of anatomy and trying to make it more applicable to what we did as trainers and coaches right and a couple weeks back i was talking to buddy morris a guy who you know i consider to be a good friend even though we don't we don't talk all the time you know a guy that I greatly respect a guy I greatly look up to. And he said, you know, I still reference you were building the efficient athlete from 2006, 2007. I still use that anatomy. And so that was part of the impetus behind me creating this product. It's like, man, I feel like my knowledge of anatomy has grown tenfold since then. But what this has forced me to do, and, and as I go back and I kind of recreate all of my materials, it's forced me to rebuild my own foundation my own foundation as it comes to anatomy, as it comes to physiology, as it comes to all my movement models, whether it's coaching a squat, coaching a deadlift, coaching a push-up, like just my entire viewpoint of how the body works, of how we create movement is totally different than it was even five years ago. And so hopefully that's going to come across and that's going to be reflected in this project. So something that I would ask you to start thinking about, has your model evolved. And I don't mean this in a negative way. If if it hasn't evolved, that's fine. But if your model has evolved or if your interpretations evolved, well now maybe you need to go back to some of the stuff that you originally learned, right? You need to go back to your anatomy, your physiology, your biomechanics and start looking at things through a different lens. Because quite simply, in my humble opinion, every now and then you got to go back to the well. You could go and read the exact same book read it now and then read it two to three years from now 
And you might take totally different things away from that book because you are different as a human being. You've had more experiences. You have more knowledge. Your model has evolved. And I think this is really important as a trainer or coach. Every, say, I don't know, maybe not every year, but every couple of years going back and revisiting, okay, maybe I need to go back to some of that base level anatomy or that base level physiology and look at it now through a little bit different lens because the material hasn't necessarily changed. In a book, especially, it hasn't changed, but your viewpoint, your thought process, your model has changed. And so that's where constantly going back and thinking about how can I rebuild my foundation? How can I make it stronger? And that's the way that I look at it. I don't look at it as a negative thing at all. Like if I, if I need to change things about how I coach a squat or how I look at anatomy, that's not a bad thing. My model is more complete. I've got a better understanding of things now than I ever could have hoped to have had in 2006 or 2007. So that's my challenge to you for this week. I think the longer you do this, the more you have to constantly go back to this idea of tearing things down, rebuilding the foundation, and building a better model, right? It's like the old saying goes, all models are wrong, but some are useful. And that's our ultimate goal here is to create a more useful movement model. All right, so that does it for my little recap for this week. We're going to take a quick break, quick message from our good friends at Momentus, and then we're going to jump into the show with Tony. This episode of the Physical Preparation Podcast is brought to you by Momentus. For many years, I simply disregarded the age-old advice of getting liquid protein in either during or after workouts. Part of this was due to the fact that most had so much crap in them, I didn't want to put them in my body, and others might have been high quality, but tasted absolutely disgusting. However, if you're looking for a protein that's not only high quality, but also tastes amazing, you need to check out Momentus. I've been using Momentus for several months now, and I can tell you it's hands down the best tasting protein I've ever had. But it's not just me. I have numerous elite level athletes who are very picky with their protein powders, and every one of them raves about how great Momentus protein shakes taste. And while the taste is amazing, the best part about Momentus is that they're incredibly transparent with what goes into their product. You never have to worry about a tainted or dirty supplement, as all of their products are NSF and Informed Sports certified. If you'd like to try Momentus out for yourself, head over to livemomentus.com forward slash Robertson and use the code Robertson20 to save 20% off your first order. Or if you want to try before you buy, get a free three-pack sample sent to your house by using the Robertson sample code at checkout. Regardless of which option you choose, I guarantee once you try Momentous Protein Shakes, you'll never go back to anything else. Tony Genelcore was one of the co-founders of Cressy Sports Performance and worked there as a coach from 2007 to 2015. He now runs his own studio in Boston called Core, where he trains athletes and general population clients from all walks of life. Tony's a guy that I've known for most of my professional career, and I can tell you he's not only incredibly sharp, but funny, and he has amazing taste in music as well. In this show, Tony and I talk about how he programs for the general population, what bloop, bloop, bloop workouts are, and why you don't have to open a gym to be considered a legit trainer or coach. This is a fun and energetic show. He's somebody I love catching up with, and I really think you're going to enjoy it as well. But enough for me. Let's do this. Tony, man, thanks so much for coming on the show here today. 
Great to have you back. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about what's new since the last time we chatted? Well, we were just saying the last time I chatted was, I think, prior to having a kid. So a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So as as you know, the the turmoil and the fun that comes along with, with having a toddler in the house. Yeah, doing my thing here in Boston. I'm coaching 20 hours a week. I'm also I'm I'm in the throes of my my hectic travel schedule so I'm traveling. I'm probably averaging maybe one weekend a month now that I'm I'm oh, traveling wow. and, and presenting. The big ones coming up where we're heading down to Australia for for 2 weeks. Nice. Down in Sydney and Melbourne, which would be cool, yeah. I I have no complaints about <laughs> <laughs> about doing that it's like you know going to pittsburgh not quite as sexy but you know right yeah let's go that's pretty Um, cool so yeah it's it's a nice it's a nice marriage of you know still in the trenches coaching yes uh, throughout the week but also being able to travel around the world which is always very cool i mean i I, i'm i'm still always flabbergasted that i I get to do that yeah especially knowing where i'm from like i'm from legit middle of nowhere new york and you know my family is often flabbergasted too like places i've been so right um so there's that and then you know i got i got my toes in a few things like some projects looming and trying to keep up with as much writing as i can that, that i'm not quite as prolific as i used to be with, yes. with writing but I, I i try to do what i can but yeah so all uh, it, it's all good my man and then just add in add in a toddler yes and <laughs> I mean, no big deal, right? Just a no tiny human that you have to like feed and clothe and, and take care and of. He, I mean, as you know, I mean, you, you, you're two ahead of me, but, or one ahead of me, but you have yes. two. It, this is a really, really, really cool age. And I know it probably yeah. gets, I know we say it's cool now. And then a year from now, I'm going to say, oh no, this is the cool stage. Because yeah. now he's talking and communicating and yep. like saying sentences and like, you're actually interacting now. You're not yes. just like guessing. Yes. So it, it's, you know, he's. We just got, the, as it happens, I just got the note this morning from his daycare about he he's he's ready for potty training. Oh, solid. So we're, we're, my wife and I were both like, okay, here we go. <laughs> That's <laughs> so awesome, man. I'm sure your your listeners are very thrilled to hear about my my kids' bowel movements. But hey, uh, man, yeah, it's that that's what's happening in my life right now. <laughs> I talk <laughs> I talk about my kids pretty much every week, so hopefully they don't mind. But I mean, obviously, there's no sense in us beating around the bush. So I'd love to just jump right in and yeah. starting with you know, without the full backstory, would you mind telling us a little bit about your athletic background? Because I think that really plays into, at least early in your career, what made you such a seamless fit at Cressy Sports Performance. Yeah. I And what I, obviously, I, I still listen to your show when I'm walking to and from the gym. And I think a lot of a lot of your guests and yourself, that is the common thread. It's like yeah. we all have our, our athletic careers that kind of bled into being strength and conditioning coaches. Yeah. And so going to my background with athletics, I've already alluded to that, that I am from a very small town. In Central New York, Groton, New York, to be in, to be clear, I I want, and this is not to blow sunshine up my ass, right? <laughs> but I was one of the rare kids from my hometown who played past the high school level. Okay, I was fortunate enough to be able to play four years of of collegiate baseball at a pretty high level. I, I started at junior college in, in Syracuse, New York, which was a which was a D one JUCO, which is a pretty high level. Yeah, I mean my. I remember my very first co- collegiate start. Nice <laughs> uh, was down in Florida. 
obviously a lot of the northern teams go down to Florida sure. for, for spring training. My very first collegiate start was was against West Palm West Palm Beach Community College. Oh wow! And I I I distinctly remember my pitching coach as I was warming up coming up to me. He's like, "Yeah, pretty good team we're playing today." It looks like I, I was looking at their lineup. At eight out of their nine starters were drafted out of high school. <laughs> uh, I was just like, oh man! <laughs> like, uh, I think I went four innings. Nice. Gave up. Gave up the longest home run I've ever given up in my life. That yeah. That game. But but yeah, I I high school was basically playing numerous sports. You know, I once I got tenth grade is when I I basically started prioritizing baseball. Okay. Um, I ran actually no I ran. No, 10th grade, fun Tony fact, I, I ran cross country one year. Yes. And I, I was done after that. <laughs> I, like, I don't know how I got talked into it. Yes. <laughs> but I just remember like going, like, what am I doing in my life with these practices going for, like after school is basically going for a seven mile run. Like, yes. Awesome. Like that, that, that there's, it, it sucked. And then I ended up becoming the, the, the final two years I became the, Another Tony fact: the the statistician for the cross country team. So, oh, solid. Kind of talk about a solid uh, yearbook, uh, you know, under the picture. What yeah. it did was cross country statistician. Like all the, of the accolades. All the ladies loved it. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but cop, but yeah, baseball was the main gig. Uh, again, I was fortunate enough to play uh, four years of a collegiate ball, and I ended up once I finished playing JUCO ball, I, I earned a scholarship to go to. Mercyhurst College, which is now Mercyhurst University, mm-hmm. which is in Erie, Pennsylvania. You know, got to play two years at, at a high level, highly competitive D2 school. You know, I had aspirations of playing pro ball, of course. Of course. Uh, you know, back in the late 90s, there wasn't high demand for a, a right-handed pitcher who topped out at 87, 88 miles an hour. <laughs> you know, I had a couple independent ball tryouts, which is, you know, cool. Right. But, you know, that didn't pan out either. And then that, then that just bled into... Going back, heading back home, and finishing school at, at SUNY Cortland, which is where I got my my final degree from. So gotcha. it was funny. We were out to dinner. My wife and I were out to dinner with a friend of ours last weekend and his fiance. And he he's like, "Yeah, so where'd you go to school again?" And I was like, "Oh, two years at OCC, two years at Mercyhurst, three years at Cortland." And he was like, "So you got a master's, right?" <laughs> my wife just immediately started laughing out loud because I was like, no, I don't have a master's, <laughs> you know, in school for seven years, no master's, but <laughs> it's, it's legitimately Tommy boy, right? Lots yeah. of guys go to school for seven years. Yeah, yes. Exactly. They're called doctors. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, no, no masters, no PhD, but it worked out. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. That's awesome, man. So do you feel like your athletic background was really did, did that make for a seamless transition when you went in and you started training athletes? I think so. I, I mean, the ironic thing is, is when we when we did open up Cressy Sports Performance and then we started honing in on the baseball market, I, I was the only person on staff who played past Little League. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, which, I mean, it is what it is. But I, I, I could... Yeah, I mean, I guess that gave me a little bit of street cred, for lack of a better term, sure. as far as like being able to talk with the athletes and relate to them that way. But, but certainly, you know, our, our you know, Eric and his knowledge of the shoulder, it, it made a lot of sense that we would end up working with with the overhead athlete population. But, right. but yeah, I do think my my athletic background helped. I mean, mm-hmm. it was not, I wasn't just some Joe schmo. Like, yeah, I talk a good game, but I know I never played past. You know, junior junior high school, right? Uh, 
you know, I played in college, which is, I mean, that is no small feat. I mean, yeah. that is, that is a high, that is high level competition for sure. Um, so yeah, I do think it helped me. Yeah, of course. So talk to me about going from that environment at CSP where, you know, I'm sure you're talking 90 ish percent athletes or a very, yep. regardless, a very high population of athletes yeah. to training the gen pop. And I'd love to start with, what did you change with regards to how you wrote a program? How does that look different when moving from an athlete to the gen pop? Yeah. And yeah, you're right. Nine, I would say when I was at Cresty Sports Performance, the, the numbers played out to where 90, 90% of everyone who walked in the door was an athlete and 90% of them were baseball players. Yeah. But that still leads 10% are, were just regular people. I mean, yeah. that's often a, a misconception of, I'm sure you guys get it at IFAS too. It's like, oh, you only guys train athletes, right? Right. Like, no, no, we don't. <laughs> like, right. We, we train everyone. Everybody. Life, every background. Like, Frank from accounting is cool too. Like, <laughs> you know, we, we, we train regular people. Yes. And, and I, I, do, I do remember, you know, in my time at Krusty Sports Performance, I mean, that was eight years. I definitely very much enjoyed training the gen pop. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's cool to train professional athletes. Don't get me wrong. Like, they're, sure. they're, you know, when you have major league baseball players walking into the, the training floor and then, you know, I'm watching the high schoolers get all googly eyed and right. that was always, a, that was always a trip. But, right. But I, I had always enjoyed training gen pop clients because I liked the variety. I liked, I liked the challenge of, taking somebody who was a stark beginner and making them more impressive. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and you know, I think you can agree with me that it doesn't happen often and it doesn't happen a lot, but in our industry, there are, there are coaches out there who will brag about training a certain athlete and they train them maybe three times. <laughs> or, or they, or they literally train them once and got a photo and then it's all over the gram. And, and then it's like, Oh, I trained so-and-so and look how good he is. And then it's like, they were good before they got to you. Like, right. Let's, let's, let's be honest. Right. You know, and, and I, and there were there, I mean, I, there were several cases with speaking from an athletic standpoint of athletes who started with us in junior high school, who ended up becoming pro baseball players. That mm -hmm. was really cool. Yeah. But even with, with Jen pop, like I, I enjoy taking somebody who came in with low back pain or came in with their shoulder killing them or, 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 or couldn't do a push up to like fast forward three, four, five, six months, and they are doing stuff that they could not do on day one. Mm -hmm. uh, and they and they get jazzed up about that. Like that, that to me is a very rewarding component of, of what I do as a trainer and as, as a coach. So, you know, sliding over to leaving Cressy Sports Performance and opening up my, my small studio here in Boston, a lot of why I, I train Gen Pop is because I'm in, I'm in a neighborhood where that that is the population. <laughs> sure, you know, and yeah, I, yes, I still have a handful of, of athletes that I work with, most of whom are high school athletes. Mm -hmm. But the neighborhood that I that my studio is in here in Boston is surrounded by people who are professionals. Like they're they they are lawyers, they are doctors, they are psychologists, they are regular they they work public transportation, they. They, they're just gen pop people. Right. And as far as the programming, I honestly can't say it's like a massive change. I, I think a lot of the coaches like yourself and myself and other people that, that are our colleagues and friends will always say that the programming, uh, we, I mean, at least for me, I look at it very much like patterns, mm -hmm. push, pull, hinge, squat, single leg, core, K 
carry. I mean, I know we can probably argue about what the categories are, but those right. are pretty shit. And I train the patterns and to, to the ability level of the individual. And, and this does not mean I, and, and certainly when you're working with, with an athletic population who has very good kinesthetic awareness and they, they know how to move their body well, which sometimes they don't, but they, <laughs> but overall, usually they, 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 they kind of know what they're doing. Of course, they're going to have a, a, a broader training menu to steal that, that quote from Chris, that yeah. chase that I stole it from that used to, I mean, it's, I, I can't, I, ever since I heard him say it for the first time, I was like, I've, I think we, I've latched onto that thing like, like gangbusters. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a quotable quote. It's, it's unreal, but yeah, yeah an, an athlete tends to have a, a broader trainer training menu. We can do a lot more with them as far as, and not to mention the speeds that we can do them at. Yeah. But with gen pop, like I still train the same patterns, but yeah, like their, their hinge pattern is the trap bar. Right. Um, they stay with that as home base for them. They might be staying with a goblet squat for several months before we even touch a barbell. Yep. Um, and honest, honestly, like, I don't care if they touch a barbell. I, <laughs> I just, I just don't, Right. And, you know, and when it comes to power development, I can have them throw med balls. I can teach them a kettlebell swing, you know, so they're, and I can have them do very rudimentary skipping drills and which is, is plyometric training. Mm -hmm. You don't need to go out and work on shin angles and, you know, 10 yard starts and work on acceleration. We don't need to do that. They, right. I mean, unless they're Terry Tate office, office linebacker, we don't need to, <laughs> they don't need to be, they don't need to be working on their shin angles for, to work, work, work where they need to what they're doing. So, right. so uh, yeah, you know, to, I know I'm, I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but to answer the question, like the training from athlete to gen pop, it's the same movement patterns It's probably like much less volume slowed down and it's definitely more catered to everyone's ability level. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the thing that I always try and describe to gen pop people that come to our gym and their first worry is, oh my gosh, you only train athletes. Like, how are you going to make this work for me? Yeah. You know, they're like freaked out. I'm like, look, very simply, we're going to find the right movement for you. As you alluded to finding the right fit for them on their trainable menu. Cause everybody's going to squat. They're going to hinge. They're going to do a push up. You know, we're going to find the, the version that works best for you. And they're probably not going to be training at the same intensity. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even if you're bench pressing, you're probably not going to bench 340 pounds, like the defensive tackle that you see next to you. That's okay. Like we're going to find the intensity level that feels challenging and is appropriate for you. Yeah. And I think if you lay that groundwork out of the gate and you said, these are my expectations for you, mm -hmm. but we're a team, like we are, this is, this is very much a, a teamwork thing. Like I'm taking feedback from you. You're giving me feedback and you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to make you a rock star within the confines of your injury history and what your ability level is. And I think I don't, I have yet to come across anyone in the gen pop population that isn't down with that. Yeah. Where if I, if I frame it in that way, they're like, yeah, okay, cool. Let's go. And they, and then of course they're trusting me as the coach. I mean, I, I, I do live in a little bit of a bubble where most of the people that come to me kind of know what they're getting themselves into. They've read my right. stuff. They know I have a, they know my history of CSP. Like I, I have, I have a lot of career capital, but there, there's certainly a number of people who walk in who have not read a Tony Jonacore article and I not, and that's fine. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not judging them. Right. Uh, and I don't expect them to like, I'm, I'm not like, do you know who I am? <laughs> uh, but if it, it is just having that conversation, if, if you put it in that frame, like, I would be dumbfounded if there's anyone who 
who can't get down pay, on board with that with that message. And they're like, okay, let's go. For sure. For sure. So let's take that a step further. When you started working more with the gin pop, did that influence or change how you coached it all? Yes. Because I, and, and I will give a lot of credit to my wife. Okay. Who, who is a Well played. Well played. <laughs> and, you know, I, I would say, because we met, my wife and I met in 2009. So that would have been year two of CSP. And I left CSP in 2015. So there, there were that, so what that, was that six years right mm-hmm. there? We've been together for almost 10. And she's had a profound impact on my coaching style. Listen, I've never been a rah-rah coach. I've never been in your face, slappy on the back, get the ammonia cap, like, let's go. Like, I've never, (laughs) I've I've been the guy that, like, cranks up, like, you know, Tribe Called Quest or, like, Tiesto or something to get somebody cramped up for a set. But but I'm not, I have never been an in-your-face rah-rah coach. Um, and you know, I, I think a lot of us, when we're younger coaches, we, you know, we tend to gravitate towards the big three and like, okay, let's, let's just get strong. Let's get strong. Let's get strong, which is still relevant. Like I still want people to get strong. Uh, but now not with it, with gen pop and, you know, working with that, that demographic much more now. and, And now that I am an older coach or a more experienced coach, I've learned to appreciate that a lot of what we do as a coach is, is psychological, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't. I, I. I would. I think what separates a good coach from a fantastic coach are the 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 soft skills of coaching, which is psychology. Because I mean, when it comes to arguing, when when it comes not arguing, but when it comes to discussing program design, sets and reps, and order of exercises and rest intervals, we can all talk a good game. I mean, right. there 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 are young coaches who probably are smarter than me on that front. Like they. I mean, it's just a fact. Right. Um, but I do think the more experience you get, you start to learn that the soft skills matter and, and being able to get your ego out of the way where I, I've always like, for example, I've, 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 I always say I've never written a perfect program. Yes. Ever. Yep. I will write a program for every client. And then I, I've yet to, it, it is yet to happen where a month has gone by where I haven't crossed something out or change my mind on this exercise. Maybe I was overzealous mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, maybe they're not ready for that one. And, you know, certainly I'm not like, from, oh man, no, that's a bad exercise for you. I mean, that's not how I frame it. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, we're just going to do this instead. And, right. you, know, you know, putting you in a better position or, you know, I just frame it in a different way. Yeah. You know, being able to better match our coaching style to that of the, of the individual, mm-hmm. um, you know, being able to understand that sometimes they're gonna they're gonna walk in and just not feel it that day, and and having the wherewithal to be like, you know what, like we're just gonna do a a recovery workout today. We're just gonna do. I'm gonna set you up with this, you know, eight exercise like mobility circuit, like maybe some goblet squats. We'll push the sled a little bit. We'll throw the med ball. We'll do a couple rounds of that. Go. Yes. I did that the other day with a with a client who came in. She was just she was like, I feel like like ass today. <laughs> uh, and, and then we had this, I mean, of course she came in with a, here's what we're supposed to do. And I was like, you know what, let's, let's just do this instead. I call them a bloop, bloop, boop workout where, you know, like the sound that little Mario makes when he becomes big Mario or something, yeah. you know, I, that's the, that's what I call them. I call them bloop, bloop, bloop workouts. And I was like, <laughs> the idea here is we're just gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, get your heart rate up a little bit. We're, we're going to break a sweat, but you're going to, you're going to feel better at the end of this session. You know, and, and if it takes, 
like 30 to 45 minutes. You're, you're just going to move and do this. And, and, and lo and behold, she left and she felt great. Yep. And so I, I yeah, so I, I think it's just stuff like that, that I've learned to, I've learned to temper my, my coaching style where it's a little less hard ass, yes. uh, a little more like, okay, let's, let's take into consideration that we do have a, a human being standing in front of us who could probably care less that they deadlift three times body weight. Uh, and <laughs> right. they, we just want to get them, we just want to get them consistent with their training. And, and I think that that's where, that's where I think the magic happens, you know, cause again, if I can get, if I can get someone consistent where they're training three days a week and they're just, they just, they're just on it, something cool is going to happen. Yeah. I mean, at the end of, at the end of a year. So that, that, that is kind of my goal for everyone now. That's awesome, man. So what I, love to talk about next is the difference between being an employee and being cool. an entrepreneur because obviously there's a big shift there so i'm going to call you on something because okay. back in the day you were notorious for saying you would never open a gym yet here we are somebody opened a gym so what made you change your mind kind of the the hand i was dealt okay <laughs> so i mean I had a little bit of, I mean, you know, I often tell people like I, I believe a lot in a lot of my career and I think most people, uh, you, cause you and I kind of came up at the same time yes. with Eric and, yep. you know, and you know, I, I do feel that a lot of what has made me successful in this industry is equal parts me working my tail off, mm -hmm. like putting in the work and reading and, and networking and going to workshops and, you know, putting in the work. Yes, of course, that that is a thing. But there's also equal parts luck. Yes. And, 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 and just timing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, my roommate for two or three years was Eric Cressy. Yes. Uh, I mean, that, that is very lucky of me. Um, <laughs> right. And, and if I didn't, and if he weren't my roommate in Connecticut, and then when we moved to Boston, I would have not have been a part of Cressy Sports Performance, most likely. I mean, I don't see other, any other scenario how that would have happened. Right. Um, so there was obviously some luck there and, and of course, timing. You know, I, I often talk, joke about timing in the sense of like social media is like, you know, the three of us came, we started doing the bulk of our writing and putting out our content at a time when social media was just starting. Yes. So there weren't many people putting out level. There weren't many people who had a blog or a website and there certainly weren't many people putting up their content on social media. Whereas we did now you do it. And it's like, yeah, it's chaotic. Like it's, I don't, I don't envy young fitness professionals today who have no. to deal with such a saturation where, you know, we can't, we, we had perfect timing in our careers with yes. that, but we were also putting out good content too. So that, I mean, that, that does matter. It does. Um, so, you know, my years at CSP, like I, I was an employee first and foremost, but I was kind of sort of entrepreneur too, because certainly I, I helped start. I was I, I'm considered a co-founder of CSP, but underneath that umbrella was me building my brand of Tony Genocore. Right, that's true. Via my writing via my traveling, so there was some entrepreneurial stuff happening. Yeah, just not in the sense of like having to you know keep tabs of a spreadsheet and looking at like overhead and like, that that wasn't part of it. Right. So I, I did have some mentorship there. You know, and Pete, I mean, Pete is a brilliant business guy, but but he would also be the first to tell you that a lot of a lot of it is intuition and common sense. I mean, yep. 
you don't buy stuff you don't have the money to pay for it. Like, like, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just like, I mean, it's common sense. Like, and it's like, you don't, you don't buy stuff that you as a coach want. You buy stuff that's for the needs for your clients that you're serving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just stuff like, you know, start small. It's like CSP's first facility was, I think, 2,200 square feet. My facility right now, if you want to call it that, is 450 square feet. Wow. It's tiny. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, and that's going to, I'm sure that's going to bleed into the next conversation, the next question as far as like me expanding. Yeah. But when I left CSP, an opportunity arose where there, you know, I, I had already started thinking about, okay, what, what is next in my career? Like what, what, you know, I just got married. So my wife and I were trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do? to, you know, make more money and be, and do what we want to do. And, right. you know, and it just so happened that there's a woman that uh, might, my, my, I know people can't see, but there's a, there's, you know, I'm pointing in a certain direction in my window here that, that my studio is over there, like a mile. And this woman wanted to have somebody come in and, and sublease under her to basically rent the space to use it when she wasn't there to train clients. And that's exactly what I was looking for. Mm. Um, just to kind of, cause to me that wasn't gym ownership. That was just me having a space to train people. Yeah. Um, that I, so to me, I was like, Oh, that's not, that's not really owning a gym. Like I'm just, I'm just like doing, I'm just running my business underneath someone else's lease. Yes. Not, not a big deal. So to me, it was a little less intimidating. Sure. To do it. Like, okay, let's, okay, we'll do that. But then, you know, I think that's probably when I wrote my, my infamous, my now infamous blog post that I wrote where I was like, Oh, I, there's no way I would ever want to own a gym. Like I, I, that's not me. Like I don't want to do it. I don't want to have the responsibility of all that. But then if, from that, if you fast forward six months to the summer of 2016, the woman I was subleasing under did not renew her lease. She had a, she was actually a, a doctor who was kind of more or less on sabbatical and raising her family. And an opportunity came up for her where she could go off and, and go work at the hospital she wanted to work at. So she's like, I'm going to punt this to you if you want it. And, and I did, I did do the math. So again, this is where kind of like common sense and intuition come into play. I, I put, I put pencil to paper and I was like, okay, here, here are my costs. Here, here are my, here are all my expenses. And here's like all my clients now. And, you know, I, I have one to two coaches who said they would probably stay under me to help, like, because I I, I, re- I kind of recruited one or two other coaches to help her with her sublease. Gotcha. And I was like, okay, they're going to stay if I stay. So they're going to help cover my my rent now, my overhead. Yep. And it was actually cheaper to actually take it over than to continue doing what I was doing. Oh, wow. So I was like, okay, let's do it. Yeah. So now, I, then I was like, okay, now I'm going to... I'm going to really kind of go into, okay, now I got to purchase some extra equipment and, you know, I can really paint it the way I want to paint it and make it look a little bit more like a, like a, a studio, like a gym. Yeah. So that's, that's basically what I've been doing for the past three, three and a half years. And I have six coaches who sublease under me. And I, I know that like some people think that sounds crazy. It's like, oh my God, how do you, how do you trust them? Well, first of all, I know them all. They, they, three of them were either former interns or employees of Cressy Sports Performance. So that helps. <laughs> that, that helps. <laughs> One of them is the head strength coach at Northeastern. So he's a very, he knows his shit. He knows what he's doing. He's very, right. and he's, uh, and I actually knew him when he was at BU before. And the other ones are just guys that uh, had followed me and I, I've, knew, I've known for several years and they were successful personal trainers in the city and they wanted to just kind of do their own thing. So it's worked out great. Yeah. Uh, 
And it's a very simple, I don't know if you want to call it business model, where it's like, okay, they they, they pay an hourly rate. At the end of the month, I tally up. My assistant tallies up the hours, and I, I send them the PayPal invoice. They pay it. Boom. So, yeah. So, I, I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. And, and, and it's still on top of, like, you know, of course, the travel and the blog and all that stuff, too. So, you know, and, and I, I, I still always give myself a little flack. I'm like, you know, I'm like, ah, like I'm, I'm small potatoes compared to a lot of people. But at the same time, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a big city and I, I, I am a, like people come to shadow and observe. Like, yeah. I mean, they, they come, but I mean, they'll, it's like this, it's this triangle. Cause they'll be one day with me then they'll go one day to CSP. Then they go one day to boil. And it's like, they do, it's like this little, and there, there are many other gyms in the city who are like champion with Mike Reynolds place and, Amp Fitness. There, there's, there. Boston's a pretty legit city when it comes to strength and conditioning, and and uh, and just a lot of really, really good coaches here. So, and we're all friends. I mean, yeah. it's not, it's not competitive, or we're not like at, at each other's throats or anything like that. It's like, I mean, I'm, I have one of the gym owners in the city is a client of mine. She comes to Core to train with me once a week. Like, That's awesome. And we actually, and we actually like talk business when she's training. Like, yeah. I mean she's expanding her gym. I'm talking about expanding mine. And like, we're actually like talking about lawyers, like, Oh, what lawyers use for this? And you know, it's like, it's actually pretty cool. Like, yeah, <laughs> dude, there's so, when you think about it, there's so many people that need fitness. Like you're fighting over like table scraps when there's like yeah. a feast, yeah. you know, there's a feast out there to be had. But yeah, you know, I want to circle back to one thing that you said, and I want young people to hear this because I think at least when I was coming up, one of the easiest ways to validate yourself as a coach and to put like your stamp on the industry and say, I have made it was to open a gym. Right. And let's be frank, like that's not the best thing for everybody to do. You know, like just because you own a gym doesn't mean you're necessarily legit. We've, we've met those people, right. And not, not to knock anybody, but there are people that run very successful gyms that I would not refer clients to because I don't trust their coaching skills. And there are other coaches that have never owned a facility, will never own a facility, and they're amazing at what they do. So if you're a young coach or a young trainer listening to this, don't assume that just because you're good that you have to go out and open a facility. That's not necessarily the case. And I think you found an amazing blend early on where you didn't have to take the responsibility of, I I have a lease and I have this amount to pay every month, whether I train clients or not. You found this beautiful way of like kind of hedging your bets until you got to a point where you're like, okay, now if this happens, I'm ready for it. Yeah. And I couldn't agree with that more. I, that, that is a sentiment that I still very much champion in that. Like I don't, I do not feel the gold standard is gym ownership. Yeah. Cause I, I couldn't agree with you more because there, there is this, this notion like, oh, I've made it cause I own a gym now. Like no, you're still a pretty crappy coach, dude. Like, <laughs> and, like, and there, there, are, and like you said, there are many really, really good coaches who struggle yes. with gym ownership. And you can be very successful in the commercial gym setting. I mean, I know many, many colleagues of mine still work in commercial gyms, and this, they're fine. They're living, and they're doing very well. So yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more in saying that. Do not, do not think that you have to own a gym in order, in order to be successful. Because I mean, and not only that, like wait. <laughs> yes. Like, uh, I mean, I, there, there's times where people come and uh, observe and shadow me and they're, they're like asking me business questions about opening up a gym and they're, they've, they've been, they've been a personal trainer for six months. Yes. And I, and I'm just like, no, 
Like, don't no. do it. Yeah. Like, you're not, you're not ready. Like, you're, you're, because they just think, I mean, it's, I mean, of course, it's, it's part of it's being young and naive. Like, yes. I get it. But, you know, they just think that because they're going to, they're going to open up this fancy gym with fancy equipment that people are just going to show up. And that's just not how it works. You know, like, I was, what, year 10 in my, in my career when I opened up my own studio. 10, mm-hmm. 10. That's a decade. Yeah. Um, and, but, I, but I also was confident that I had, I had a name. Like I, I could say, Hey, I'm at this spot in Boston now. And I, I remember like on day one, when I, when I, when I took over the lease of core, I had 14 people who were ready to go. Exactly. So it's like, and that, that doesn't come out of the gate. Like you have to earn that. Yeah. It, it, there's just, there's just so much more to being a great coach, you know, like if you're going to open a business, you have to develop and cultivate an entirely different skill set beyond just coaching. And not only that, like, I think you might agree here is like, I mean, people are always just, people are always talking about, how do I get more clients? How do I get more clients? No, the proper question is, how do you keep the ones you have? Exactly. Uh, And that, that's, what's going to make you successful is like, if you can do that, I'd rather have 10 clients who are, who are staying with me for the long haul and, and being boy and 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 worry about that, then worry about getting two more each month for you know it's just it's just it's too much mental gymnastics. Like yeah, you need to focus. Yeah, you need to of course have a a, a client roster to have. Like yes, that is a conversation. But when you do have one, like you need you better keep the ones you have. And and, and that that is yes, being a good coach. But then that that comes into the discussion of soft skills and the client experience and, and stuff like that. It isn't, no one gives two shits about fancy dumbbells. They right. don't, it, they, they go because you're, you're, you're a good coach. You, you actually like have a conversation with them outside of coaching. That's a thing. Like yep. talk movies, talk show, like game of Thrones. What the hell is that? Like, right. You know, like that, that stuff does matter, but yeah, you, you should be getting results too. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I don't necessarily know the inner workings of your business, but just from the discussions we've had and from, you know, the posts that I've read that you have online, it definitely sounds like you have a somewhat unique business model. So would you mind briefly describing to us how, yeah. how that looks a little bit? Yeah. So, so as I stated a couple minutes ago, like my, my space now is 450 square feet and which is it's small. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the size of most people's living rooms, probably, if that. And uh, I I use a semi-private format personally. So okay. I'll be I'll be working with anywhere from two to four, maybe five people at a time. They're all working off their own program. There's nothing yep. that's like written on a board, like okay, everyone, here's your workout today. Right. Uh, they're working off their own programs, and I am I, I I basically took the the model of CSP, which is semi-private, um, and I'm and I took it to the private sector of like or gen pop sector and I float around and in 450 square feet, I, I can have my eyes on pretty much everyone at, at all times. Yep. Like that, that is, that is not hard where it gets a little unique. However, is having the, the other coaches subleasing under me. So, you know, when I'm not at the studio, there are other coaches who are running their businesses out of the same space you know, there's a, there's a shared calendar that we have. Everyone has their own color coded name and, you know, there's, we all share it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you block out the time. It is your studio for that time. And it works nice. Cause at the end of the month, like my overhead is covered and then some, and you know, what I, what I envision happening with my new space is it's going to be that, but eight times bigger, 
No, my sphincter is clenching as I say that. <laughs> but what's going to be nice is that it's going to allow. Because right now, like me personally, like I'm I'm a bit bursting at the seams as far as like capping out the number of clients I can have. Sure. And then also the hours are limited for the other coaches. So sure. you know, prime prime hours are early in the morning. You know, mid mid late afternoons, and of course there there's probably three coaches who could use the time, but there's only one can use it. Right. So. With the bigger space, what I what I envision happening is it's the same concept, but now two or three coaches could be there at the same time. Gotcha. Training one or I mean, and they, and like I said, they could go one on one. They can do semi private. I might. What's going to have to end up happening, I think, is capping how many clients you can have during a semi private session. Sure. Because I mean, that, I I that's kind of where I what I envision being like. Okay, here's. You can only have three or maybe cap it at four, depending right. on the time of day. But it's going to allow everyone to have access to more hours, which then, you know, helps with, you know, with a larger space, there's the rents more, the the, the cams are larger, the, right. the, the, the utilities are going to be more expensive. Yep. So, yeah, now there's a degree of me being like, oh, my God, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? But I, I, I'm, I, I think it's going to work. Uh, so that and there's no one in Boston that does that model per se. Right. Um, where, where it's, it's real because really what I envision happening is I want to be more or less like an intermediary. I want to help other coaches who maybe are in a commercial gym setting and they're, they're kind of over it, but they don't want to own a gym, but they want to be able to do their own thing. Right. This is where we come, this is where it comes in. And, and it's going to be invite only, which I, which I'm pretty That's adamant cool. about. Like it's only going to be coaches that I know. It's only going to be coaches who I know, who I feel are very competent. And I'm not saying they have to like emulate my my philosophy or my way of doing things, but it should be pretty darn close. Like right. I feel, you know, I, I everyone that's under me now is coming along, and I have two or three others are, that are going to be coming along. It's probably going to be capped at around ten, and then we're gonna we're gonna we're hopefully just get, make people badass and, and and strong and move well, and you know, it's going to have showers, which would be lovely. Like I yeah. Don't, <laughs> so I, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's kind of what's on the, on the, the brink now is, 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 is that. And, but that, but I, I remember when I was at, when I was, I was speaking at Ryan Ketchum's event two summers ago in Chicago, the elite training and perform, I forget the name of it, yeah. but it's a business conference. Yeah. Uh, and I remember listening to one of the presenters who she was more or less talking about the same model at a, at a, at a larger scale of what I do. I forget where she's located. And basically, that's what she does, and she does very well. I think she's at. I think she has like two or three locations now. Oh, that's cool. Um, not that that's what I envisioned for me, but you know, like it's it's gonna be it's pretty manageable. Like it's it's still smallish scale. It's actually closer to my apartment. It's gonna be an eight minute walk. That's awesome. Um, you know, I I yeah I I hope to I hope to be invited back on a year from now and just be like yeah everything's going great. Like I love it. Or, or it could be like, yeah, I, I moved to back home. Or I, <laughs> <laughs> I live with my parents again. <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah. So when it comes to entrepreneurship, what were some things that might have caught you off guard or things that you maybe didn't expect when you first got started? You mean as far as like just owning a space or just anything, or anything, anything that like you were just like, oh, snap, I definitely didn't think about that. Yeah, I call it entrepreneurial shenanigans. I will say now the big the big curveball is the days where I'll take Julian to daycare and they call back saying he's sick. Like those yes. those days aren't fun. Yes. <laughs> so time management, of course, is 
Oh, I mean, that never goes away, though, really. I mean, that, right. that's not really a surprise. Cause, I mean, because I think there's there's also this notion where when people start talking about working from home or being able to go to a coffee shop or whatever, that they think it's like this glamorous lifestyle. Not really. Like Netflix is tempting. You know, right. I was tempting like procrastination is 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 the enemy here. Yeah. Uh, and when you work at home, that does. I don't know about you, but it, it definitely is the thing for me. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, I'll just watch an episode of such and such. I'll be cool. And then <laughs> four episodes later, it's like, oh, yeah. man. So, yeah, time management is, is, is definitely, especially when I left CSP, because that was a very regimented schedule. It's like I yes. knew what days I had to be there, like the days, the hours I were coaching, that was my responsibility. Now it's like, yeah, I have a coaching schedule, but outside of that, it's like, oh, I could theoretically do whatever I want to do. Right. Um, when I know I should be, you know, writing an article or prepping a blog post or catching up on programs or stuff like that. Right. You know, and then from from a gym standpoint, yeah, like it's like all the different types of insurances that you have to be aware of and, you know, making sure everyone else has their insurance in line because you don't want to like any 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 anything bad to happen there. And, <laughs> you know, especially working with the town of Brookline and like one thing that really threw me for a loop was just like getting everything approved, like from the signs to what you put in your windows mm. to because you can't just do what you want to do. It has to be approved by like this board of, you know, six people. Right. You have to in the morning at like eight in the morning and like, so, hey, here's what my signs going to look like. Here are the dimensions and these are the colors. And, you know, so that was something that was, I, I did not expect <laughs> and, and, and wasn't, and wasn't fun. Cause then you just like, you have to describe every little minute detail. So yeah. And then, and then it's just shenanigans in general. Like I'm sure, especially with this larger space, like that's going to be, I'm sure I'll have a much larger list when that actually gets into high gear. Cause now it's like, now I have to, now I have to take into consideration, okay. Cause I'm actually going to be connected to a CVS. Okay. So now I got to be like, okay, I, I'm going to be like blaring some Wu-Tang on a Wednesday. Is, is, are they going to be cool with that? As far as like language and, 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 and noise and volume and stuff like that. So, so I think that's going to come into play. And then like, you know, I don't, I, yeah, there's, there's the, all, just all the other shit. <laughs> the, hey, the good news <laughs> is when Julian's sick, you take him to work. CVS yeah, is right yeah. next door and yeah. you get the man feeling better immediately. That, that, that the pharmacy's right there. That, that's actually brilliant. Mike. I'm t- that's what I'm here for, <laughs> man. One good idea per year. So, so we already talked about renovations and, and expansions, but I got a two-parter here before we jump into our lightning round. So I love to get feedback on what other coaches are thinking and the advice they give to up-and-coming trainers, coaches, entrepreneurs. So for you, you get a two-parter. Number one, new, new coach comes to your gym and shadows for a day. What's one piece of advice that you give him or her? And number two, new coach comes to your gym and wants to open their own gym someday. What's one piece of advice you give him or her? Why I, I might have already, I think we might have already answered part two of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I would I would encourage them to like pump the brakes just a little bit. Yeah, like I don't want. To, of course, I it's not my job to discourage somebody to open up their own their own place. Like I get yeah. it. Like it, it's we we are all very much seduced by the idea of being our own boss and and all the lovely things that can arise from that. But for young coaches, I've always stated that they they should work in a commercial gym for 
a minimum of two years, if not longer. Mm-hmm. I did it for five. I know Eric did it for three or four himself. I think you did. Um, yeah. Maybe, yeah. I think we've all done it. Yeah. My buddy Dean Somerset did it for 10, if not more than that. He still works in commercial gyms, but now he he does own his, he does run his own business under under a commercial gym now. Gotcha. He's not an employee of a gym. You know, I because I, I just think that's the only that's just the best environment to learn and to get better and to like kind of kind of figure out like what populations you like to work with because mm-hmm. uh, because that could actually drive the the direction that your gym goes. I mean, yes. whether you want to start getting into a, a niche market or you want to work with a specific sport or whether you want to work with, I don't know, postpartum women or fat loss only, or maybe you like kettlebells and want to do that. Like, I think you can only really learn that working in a commercial gym setting. Yep. Just because you get so much exposure yep. to everything and everyone. As far as coaches and trainers coming in to observe and shadow me for a day, a piece of advice I give them is I, I, I just say, always be open. Like one, my biggest pet peeve in the industry are people who get so set in their ways. Mm-hmm. They, they, they lock themselves into a corner. It's like, no, this is the only way to do this exercise or coach this exercise or do this program. So I, I encourage coaches to kind of stay in the middle. Like, yeah. don't get too far to the left. Don't get too far to the right. I think that's a, it's a nice rule to have in life in general. Yes. Because um, you can kind of make a case for both sides of, of, of the argument. Like, I, I, I get it. So I, I, I try to encourage them to always be intuitive as far as like the learning process, but not to just lock themselves in a corner. Like this is the only way to do something. That's usually a piece of advice I give quite often. I love it. Not a very like, like profound one, but one that I use nonetheless. (laughs) Still super valuable. So last but not least, we've got our lightning round. And for you, normally I do like four questions. You're getting six. Oh, okay. Just because... I want to hear what your answers are to these. I think they're going to be fun. Number one, has your viewpoint of what constitutes a workout changed since you've had a kid? Yes. So I, I, I actually was on a podcast earlier this week talking about this where when I before I had a kid or more, mostly when I was younger, like 25, 30, 35, we used to always brag about two hour workouts mm-hmm. and like, oh, I was in the gym for two hours today. Like, yeah. I mean, now it's like past 45 minutes i'm like what am i doing (laughs) (laughs) like i mean i we had julian when i was 40 and i would i would say that year 40 to 41 was one of the best years of training in my life yeah i i mean i i work in the gym so i have no i have no excuse not to train right Um, but that was also the year that i finally hit my 600 pound deadlift sleep deprived and all like yeah, i mean that's I, awesome. I, I got it done i i will say the the thing that i that i that i found has been the most benefit is having my own coach i do think having somebody else write write, write my programs has been a tremendous help the last person that i want to write a program for is myself yes i write so many and it's like by yeah. the time it's like i have to write mine i'm like ah, i don't want to do that like i don't want to so and i will also say too like it's funny that you brought it up because I, I I put up a tweet the other day about walking. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to I used to be the guy who was like, oh, don't like, – because people used to call like, you know, walking exercise. Like, oh, it's, it's life. It's not exercise. Like, stop calling <laughs> it exercise. That was so lame now that I think about it. Like, yeah. it's – I think like walking, whether you want to – walking, zone two, like whatever you want to call it, like like low-intensity aerobic exercise has a ton of value. 
Yeah. Uh, and you, and I, I'm preaching to the choir. I know. Yeah. Like, like you, you were probably, you were actually one of the guys that helped kick me in the, in the butt. I was like, okay, I'm being a moron. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, just going for a brisk walk is I mean, that to me is like, cause I'll, you know, I walk to work a lot of times and, yeah. I, and I put on a podcast and I actually feel good when I do it. Like, yeah. so yeah, that's something where I just become, um, yeah, just calling myself out is, yeah. uh, you know, it's like, yeah, walking school, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. And, and I think every, I, I think that's a big shift for a lot of parents, obviously, but especially people that are entrenched in the fitness industry, when you're used to being in a gym all day, taking 90 minutes to two hours, like all of a sudden you're like, dude, I don't have 90 minutes no. to two hours to train right no. now. No, it's like, I, you know, I have clients I in the week during the weekday, like I train now, my schedule is like Monday. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday are the days that I train. I'm lucky in that I get to go to Boston University and train at their varsity gym whenever I want. Oh, that's so that, cool. That, that, that's great. But there are many times where I go to my studio and I, I cram it in right before clients show up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I, I give myself like a five, five or ten minute window to kind of like, you know, change my shirt and like yeah. something presentable. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I try to get it in and like, I you know, if I have clients showing up at four, I'll get to my place at two thirty to get my workout in, yep. and yeah, you just time efficiency is of the essence nowadays. Well, yeah, and I love that you put a constraint on yourself there too, like a time constraint. Like, look, I've got to get it done in this amount of time, so that's and, cool. And and I want, and I think I still think it's important to do it. Like, I don't, I don't. I mean, I think it's also well known in the fitness industry that sometimes we're the last ones to take care of ourselves. Yes. So we we are in an industry of taking care of others, and sometimes we. I mean, there are many. I mean, I would I would I would garner a guess that almost half my clients between the ones I work with in person, maybe not half, but a fair percentage of my clients are other fitness professionals, and I have my own coach. So yes, yeah. you know, I, there's something to be. It is important to still do it. Absolutely. <laughs> and practice what we preach. So. That's important too. For sure. Okay. Number two, what's your favorite moment so far as a business owner? Oh boy, man. <laughs> I have to think about this one. I would say the music. <laughs> <laughs> you pick your own music? Yeah, well, no, well, yeah. I mean, I, it was always a running, it was always a running comedy show at CSP. Like when Eric and I were in the, were under the same roof, it's like, I'd be playing my music and he'd come in and put it in on his music. And then 20 minutes later, I change it back to mine. And so, yeah, the, <laughs> I, I, and, but let's be honest too. Like my clients are pretty freaking cool too. Like yeah. I, you know, as an example, Tuesday, Tuesday afternoons, uh, a lot of my female clients come in and train. It just, it just so happens to be that way. Right. Uh, so there's like a, there's like a three hour window where it's like 90% women. And I think it's pretty kick ass when I can look, I can just take a look. I, I, I kind of step back a little bit in my 450 square foot facility or studio. <laughs> and I see five or six women like deadlift, deadlift, squat, you know, I mean, they're just doing cool shit right, right now. And I'm like, yeah, this is, this is me. Like, this is mine. This is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so stuff like that is, 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 is a pretty cool part of, being an entrepreneur and like, like owning a gym. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. Okay. Number three, you talked a little bit about having a coach. What goal or goals are you working on training wise right now? Yeah. Now I guess I, I'm honestly, currently it's, it's basically maintenance to be honest. Like, yeah. I mean, I hit my 600 pound pole a year and a half ago. 
I I've not attempted it again yet, but you know, maybe, maybe the goal is 620. I don't know. Like, right. <laughs> I did hit a squat PR, but there you go. right now it's just kind of like, I, I, it's very lame, but it's just maintenance. Yeah. Like I'm not, I, I, cause I, I don't, I don't compete. Like I, I definitely tinker more towards a powerlifting type style of yeah. training. But I have no aspirations of competing. I just that that is something I'm adamant. Like I know I said something. I'm never going to open up a gym, but I've never <laughs> to compete. Like yeah. it's just I don't have. It's not not me. That's all good, man. Okay, number four. I can't wait to hear this answer. Favorite '90s hip hop group? Easy. Tribe Called Quest. Yeah. And I and let me tell you because I, I kind of preempted this when you and I were texting back and forth. Yeah. This might have been why you wrote this this question. Mm-hmm. I got a random email like four weeks ago where okay. like the initial sense was like, I know this might be weird. And whenever I get emails like that, I'm like, okay, here we go. Yeah. What's going to happen. But it was just random guy who was like, I know you're a fan of nineties hip hop. I don't know if you ever heard of this show, but it's called take it personal radio. Okay. And it's a podcast. It's a, that is, that's it's essentially a radio show. And it's these three guys who they just play nineties hip hop and they'll do, they'll do their own mixes, which is awesome, but they do, they do a lot of tributes. Um, okay. So just give an example, Mike, like, cause I know you're a nineties hip hop guy. Yeah. This show has been, I've been, this is all I've been playing for like the past month. My, my <laughs> it's so freaking good. Just to give you an example, like they did a tribute of DJ premier. Okay. Who's, who's one half of Gangstar. Yeah. So uh, basically anything he produced, whether it be, Mob Deep, Jay Z, Biggie, Gangstar stuff. I mean, he he's a he's a renowned producer. Yeah. He's like probably if there was a Mount Rushmore of hip hop producers, he's on it. Yeah. Guess how long that episode was? How long? Six hours. What? Six hours. Oh my gosh! It's just like, and then they do they do Wu Tang tribute. They do Tribe tributes. They did a Native Tongues tribute, which is like Tribe, Jungle Brothers, De La Soul. Yeah. I, that was six hours long. Oh my god! The Redman one is amazing. They and they'll do West Coast and they do Southern hip hop and right. But it's just like really, 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 really freaking good. All right. Um, but but the, yeah, Tribe is will always be my answer to my favorite hip hop group. Okay, I'm gonna have <laughs> but to you check. Need to, you need to check out the radio. So if you go to the website, you can you can stream it off of Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes. Okay. Um, you know, I do it through my Sonos. So I I, I basically put every episode into my SoundCloud and I stream it. I stream the SoundCloud onto my Sonos that I can play, you know, in my, in my gym. So okay. you're going to love it. Do the premiere episode. You're going to love it. All right. I'm going to check it out as soon as we get off. I can't wait. Oh, so good. Okay. So the only thing you may love more than music is movies. Oh yeah. On a rating of one to a thousand, how excited are you for the final Star Wars movie? Oh man. I'm, I'm kind of mum on it, honestly. Yeah. Okay. Oh, man, I feel like I've got a little fatigue going on, I think. Yeah. Like, like, like Marvel fatigue, Star Wars fatigue. I know. You know, Last Jedi was okay. Yeah. I wouldn't, I mean, it was, I'm definitely going to be a fanboy and I'm going to go <laughs> see the next Star Wars movie. I'm, don't get me wrong. But but the, the one good thing is that, you know, Abrams is back. Yes. And I, you know, because I, I didn't mind Force Awakens. Like, I actually liked it yeah, a lot. I thought it was okay. Um, and you know ryan johnson like i didn't hate last jedi but it was just like nah, like it wasn't great so abrams is back so i'm taking solace in that you know the, the first trailer looked pretty sick i mean yeah. i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie i got teary-eyed yeah as i do every time i see a star wars trailer <laughs> just, my wife starts like what are you doing like <laughs> nothing nothing i'm fine 
<laughs> so one to one thousand, I might be I might be in the eight hundred mark. Like okay. I I'm excited, but okay. I'm, I'm a little bit mum right now. I'm like, oh, all right, we'll okay. see. You're just kind of playing it cool till we yeah, see how it comes out. We'll see. Okay. I'm, I'm hopeful, though. I'm hopeful. All right. I am, too. All right. Last but not least, what's next for Tony General Corps? Well, we talk, We spent a good 20 minutes talking about that, so I don't think you need to do that. Um, you know, Dean, actually, Dean Somerset and I are, are – we just – filmed our even more complete shoulder hit blueprint nice. um, about a month ago so that's going to be released soon uh, if i you know soon okay <laughs> <laughs> i actually don't have a date on that I, we haven't even gotten the videos back yet okay um, but that's going to be you know the first iteration went very well yeah um, so I, i'm hoping this one does just as well if not better my my wife and I, you know, we we present together once or twice a year. But she, I think, you know, if I could pimp her a little bit, I know that came out the wrong way. But if I, <laughs> she's got a product coming out later this year. Call it's, it's going to be called Psych Skills for Fitness Bros. Okay. So every time that we've presented together, so like I've said, she's a psychologist. I'm a strength coach, and we present. We do a workshop together called Strong Body, Strong Mind. And so basically I'll, I'll take, I'll talk assessment, breaking down the squat, breaking down the deadlift, but she talks about self-determination theory, like building autonomy, building competency, building relatedness with clients, like, you know, and like, and how to improve motivation and like, which is what we do as coaches. I mean, that is that that's, I'm very, well, I said earlier, we, we, we are psychologists, right? She's going to gear it towards personal trainers and coaches. What bogs us down as coaches isn't program design sets and reps it is dealing with clients who are, are going through their own shit and are unmotivated don't show up have negative thinking maybe they have an eating disorder and we like uh, they're bringing up like they're divorcing their spouse like how do we handle that right but she's she's an actual psychologist she's not some like mindset instagram celebrity like right. she she has a phd in psychology and she lifts she knows the verbiage yeah, uh, and every time we've presented it together, people say, well, repeatedly said, "No, we came because of Tony." But what we really needed was Lisa. Like, yeah, when she was that's cool. Me. Like, it's it's so. And there's really there's nothing in. I don't believe there's anything in the industry that's 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 that's, that's giving trainers and coaches that information. Yeah. Um, and it is very 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 relevant. So I'm excited for her to um and to help her be a part of spreading that message because I I think it's going to help the industry a lot. So. Good. And she's, she's, you know, she's presenting for at the fitness summit. She's doing stuff with girls gone strong. Like she's, she's getting her message out there, which is very cool. That's awesome, man. Well, Tony, as always, it's been great catching up with you. Where can my listeners find out more about you and what you have going on? So home base, tonygenocore.com. And that is a website that's blog, social media, podcasts, that, that that's everything. Cool. Um, workshops, everything is right, right there. Cool, man. I'll make sure I get that in the show notes. And again, my guy, great catching up and great talking to you today. Yeah, as always, we'll do it again soon. All right, guys, that does it for this week's show with Tony. Sincerely hope you enjoyed it. He's one of those guys that I just really enjoy catching up with. He's got such a fun way of looking at working out, looking at fitness. He's always entertaining. If you don't read his blog, it's absolutely one of my favorites. And I will tell you that I went and checked out Take It Personal Radio after this show, and it is every bit 
as good as he describes it to be. I'm listening to the DJ premiere episode. It is fan freaking tastic episode 10 if you haven't checked it out. So my friend, as always, thank you so much for your support. If you took something away from the show, please share it with a friend, share it on the gram, anything that you can do to help spread the word, I would greatly appreciate. So with that being said, thanks so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back soon with our next episode. Take care.